Hi, and welcome to EC Honestly. Here I discuss the ups and downs of working in the field of early childhood education. So listen, hopefully learn, and enjoy. Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge with gratitude that I am speaking to you from the unceded and traditional territory of the Coast Salish peoples, including the Kwekwetlam, Tsleil-Waututh, Squamish, and Stolo peoples. So it's been a really long time since I've launched a new episode. And after much, um, I want to say feedback from the early child community and having the pleasure and privilege of being able to finally meet um, a, such an amazing person, finally, um, you know, face to face as opposed to over social media or over a Zoom link, we got to talking and the idea that she told me or gave me was basically to say that there are so many stories in the world of early childhood and amongst educators that really would hit home the importance and the need of why childcare is a necessity, why it is a necessity now, why it was a necessity 10, 20, 30 plus years ago. So I thought that the best way to kind of start off this new series I'm hoping to continue is by interviewing somebody who is extremely close to me. Her name is Iris Mariquin Romero. And not only is this somebody that I am close to, this is also my mom. So welcome. Hello. So do you want to tell us maybe a little bit about yourself before we start this? Okay. I mean, I know uh, all about you, but the <laughs> listeners don't. Well, as uh, most of you know, I am Kayla's mom. I ran a licensed uh, family childcare uh, in the city of Burnaby. I've been doing this since 1998. I started doing uh, childcare when my son, who is 20, 26, um, was six months old. And I started doing it as a license not required in Vancouver uh, back in 96, sorry, 95. 95, right? Yeah, 95, 95, back in 95, uh, when he was six months old. Um, and then in 1998, I had the chance of moving to Burnaby um, and opening a licensed family childcare. And I've been doing that since then. Uh, also, back in 1998, I decided that I was uh, going to be going to school at night to get my ECE so that I could be a better educator and better serve the families in my care. Well, thanks for that little intro. Um, it's funny, I've spoken to a lot of people, and you know this, we always talk about how child early childhood education is something that I don't think you really know unless it is something that you either grew up in or you know somebody who's in that field. So I'm curious because what was your first introduction to childcare? Um, what kind of made you go into this field? Well, uh, I my first introduction to, fam to, uh, to childcare was when I was in grade seven, no, grade um, nine, 10. I did um, 
childcare uh, for this lady during my, uh, my summer holidays. Uh, so I took care of her little boy uh, while she went to school. And uh, then after that, my second introduction to childcare was when Kayla was, oh, I want to say a year and a half old or something like that. And I was going to Langara. I, I think you were like a year and a half. I was going to Langara. I was taking Latin American studies. And uh, my ex-husband, Kayla's father, uh, wasn't working at the time. And he was supposedly taking care of Kayla while I was in school. I was going to school full time. So one day I forgot something some of my work had to come home, open the door. I heard Kayla and I was like, well, where is she? So I went into the bedroom. My ex-husband was fast asleep and I followed the sounds. Kayla was in the bathtub, inside the bathtub, in a bathtub ring that they used to have back in the day. And the bathtub was almost full and Kay and you were inside the bathtub by yourself. So I, how did you feel coming upon that scene? All I thought was, Oh my God, my kid is going to be dead if I leave her here. So, um, I, I started asking around the same day. I didn't go back to school because I was too horrified by what I had seen. And one of my um, professors actually suggested that I go talk to the uh, childcare inside Langara. And so I went and I spoke to one of the teachers, teacher Ruthie, I still remember her. And uh, I basically begged them uh, to take you in because I wanted to keep on going to school. I needed to get my diploma and I had nobody else to take care of you that I could trust. So um, they were super nice, uh, super welcoming. And they had actually bumped you into the waiting list. The next day you were going to, um, I was able to put you in to uh, the childcare at Langara. And you were there. And I knew that I was going to be able to finish my schooling because you were in a safe, loving environment while I was in school. And if you could say anything to those educators right now to this day, knowing your experience now on the other side, what is it that you would tell those educators? Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Um, you were the reason why I was able to finish my post-secondary and I could never, ever be able to pay you for that. And you were such a positive influence on Kayla when Kayla was in there. She loved you uh, during the years that she was there. And did you notice... I guess like now, again, kind of being on that side, knowing the education behind it, but at the time, like on a daily basis, did you see the positive impacts of childcare in terms of, you know, the education that I was receiving as, I think I was only there until I was three, right? Uh, 
three and a half. No, actually, you were there until uh, just a couple of months before your brother was born. So probably three and a half, almost four. Okay. So I guess now the question I want to say is like, did you see um, those positive influences, the education that I was receiving? Um, and I almost want to say like, do you think that the, because we say that childhood is such an important part of life more than anything, you know, the first one to five years where that brain has so much growth and the environment that we're in really influences, I guess, more or less the foundation and the building blocks that we're going to have, you know, beyond into childhood, into teenage years, into adulthood. Would you think, do you think that being able to have at least those three-ish years in a safe quality childcare environment contributed? Because I mean, we did go through quite a bit um, and that's a whole other story. Um, but yep. do you think that maybe that had, do you think that maybe that had a positive influence and maybe kind of set a foundation for some form of stability? I want to say, and, or even just, you know, being able to have now as an adult, you know, a, a little bit of more um, positivity in terms of mental health, even. Absolutely. Uh, I have always said that the first five years in a kid's life, it are the most important ones. Uh, that's where, you know, for brain development, emotionally, uh, physically, cognitively, uh, they make such an impact. Because um, uh, like, even for you, like you were learning so much uh, songs, uh, you were learning to relate to your peers, uh, interaction with other adults that actually were a positive uh, influence on in your life. Uh, and just exposed to other, like to different things that you weren't exposed to before. Uh, like, I mean, you know, like you go from being left basically alone by a non-existent parent uh, to fend for yourself when you were a year, a year and a half to being in a safe, loving, um, positive environment. It makes such a difference. You were happier. Uh, you were learning more, you were learning to uh, develop more, um, to relate to people, to relate to friends, uh, like so many, so many things that were such a positive impact back then. Definitely. I think you kind of nailed it on the head right there. It's like saying that that environment versus, like you said, an environment where you're basically left to fend for yourself by not just an absent parent, but I would say a neglectful parent. Correct. I mean, you know, it, a lot of people think that childcare is just babysitting. It is not. Uh, you are basically being trusted with, you, you know, a person's most um, important uh, little being in their life. I mean, you're being trusted with a life, uh, a little person. It's not a kid. It's a, it's a small person, a person in the making. Like how you emphasize the importance of that, because I think a lot of times we see children as not um, important citizens of society, when in reality, they should be the most important citizens of our societies. Yep. You know, and like, like, you know, it's like they say, you know, like children are the future. If we don't guide, love and care for, for the new generation, 
what are we going to expect in the future, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people see kids as just that, as children. They're not. They're little people. They're people. They're, they have feelings. They have fears. They have, I mean, they're just like a grown-up, but with different needs. Definitely. Um, I want to kind of fast forward now, um, because of course I didn't stay at Langara forever. Um, I actually don't even really know was the reason that I, that we left, was it because you were, um, going to give birth to Alex? Alex is my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who don't uh, know. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so I, what happened was that I did finish my uh, Latin American studies, uh, certificate. And after I got that, I decided that I wanted to go into business and finance. So I um, ended up taking um, a business and finance. Uh, I can't remember if it was a certificate or a diploma course at Langara. And during that time, I got pregnant with Alex. And actually, I finished my my uh, my studies. A, probably a month before I gave birth to your brother. Uh, So yeah, so that was the main reason why, um, why you I took I, um, I took you out of Langara, because I went on mat leave. Um, After that, so I gave birth to Alex, Alex was born in March. uh, But he was born in March. I stay home with you guys for a little bit longer. So during this time, uh, the lady, one of one of my neighbors across the way, she also had a baby and she had a baby about the same age as Alex. Alex and her were like a couple of weeks apart, if I'm not mistaken. So what happened was like, you know, we used to talk and she came to me one day and she went, she asked me if I was planning to go back to, uh, to work. And I told her that I wasn't sure. My main reason why I wasn't sure was because I didn't know if I was going to be able to secure a childcare spot for you and for Alex. So, um, so basically said that I didn't know if I was going to go back to work because she asked me I wasn't going to go back to work if I will be willing to take care of uh, her her daughter. Um, I thought about it for a sec. Uh, you know, Alex and um, Ayla, that was her name, got along so well that um, I said yes. Uh, so that's uh, that was basically how I started doing this. Uh, another one of my friends at the time, uh, she asked me, uh, why I was in, uh, like, she asked me if I wanted to get um, registered with uh, the uh, Child Care Resource and Referral Services in Vancouver, and I didn't know what it was. So I asked for more information, and she go, she asked, she, they actually told me that I, I could become a licensed, not required uh, child care provider in the city of Vancouver if I wanted to keep on uh, providing childcare for children. And I thought about it and I really like the fact that I will be able to spend some time with you guys, raise you guys and help somebody else raise their children. So I started looking into it. I went in, got some information 
and um, got into the system, got registered. And a couple of, I want to say a couple of weeks after, I got a phone call uh, from another uh, person uh, who wanted me to provide care for her daughter. And uh, it just went from there. Nice. And so how long did you do LNR? Because even I don't remember. (laughs) I mean, I was four at the time, so... Yes, uh, so I did that. Alex was born in March. I started doing childcare when Alex was six months. So mid ninety five to September of nineteen ninety eight, when I moved to uh, Burnaby and to the place where I'm at right now, and I got licensed. So um, yes. And the place that you are right now is a very special um, setup, for lack of better words. Do you want to maybe, um, because I think that it's actually quite revolutionary and it was actually quite um, forward thinking for its time, because these were new developments that were made for this specific reason. So do you maybe want to tell the listeners where it is that we moved to um, and where you still live to this day? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right uh basically your childhood home uh so pretty much <laughs> so as uh, when i was uh as when i was uh, still in vancouver um this absolutely beautiful person uh who was the head of the child care resource and referral services in collingwood at the collingwood neighborhood house uh, her name was isolde is Isolde. Isolde. Why did I think it was Lucille? No, it, Lucille is another lady. Uh, Isolde. Isolde. She Isolde. Hopefully was... the listeners in Vancouver can, can get us in touch with Isolde. And she's still... Yes, she <laughs> is an amazing person. She was the person that I used, uh, that I was, uh, that guide, guided me in all the aspects of me going into... Um, license not required and then into a license um, space. So um, before I get any further, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the place where I'm at right now. I This is a, um, okay, so basically the BC government and the uh, federal government got together with BC Housing and they decided that they were going to launch a pilot project. Uh, what that meant was that this development, uh, it's called Oakland's Housing Co-op, was the first development across Canada, as far as I'm concerned, that incorporated two licensed childcare spaces in the city, in within the um, uh supported, not, not supported, um, government housing, if you want to call it that. It's a co-op. So uh, my unit and the unit next door were the first ones across Canada that incorporate, incorporated childcare spaces. So the basically the unit was made to meet licensing standards exactly. so that you're so able to run a childcare. Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. So uh, the houses were made with a childcare 
licensed childcare in mind, like a family licensed childcare. So um, if you, if you, if any of your listeners has ever been to my place, and I know a few have, uh, they will see that there's um, a living room and a dining room, and then there's a childcare area attached to um, to the uh, to the living room with access to a fenced backyard. And we also have a basement that it's uh, a childcare area as well. Um, and the, uh, the deal was that I was able to move into this place provided that I was going to run a licensed childcare facility and adhere to all the licensing requirements and regulations set up by Fresher Health. So um, when, I, when we moved in here, we were interviewed by the, um, by the co-op, by the membership committee, uh, as well as uh, people from busy housing, uh, uh, people from licensing, from Fraser Health, and oh my God, I can't remember what else, but there were like three or four different um, uh, sets of uh, reps that were here just because they wanted to make sure that the right person and the right family moved in here so they could serve the community. Um, and that's how we ended up here. We, we ended and up here. We did. Um, and now I'm curious, cause this is actually of some significance. Do you know which polit- who was in power, which political party was majority at uh, that time um, in DC? I want to say the NDP, but I'm gonna have to check back on that one. I know that this um, the um, the co-op was built in '94. Occupancy was in '95 because we moved in here three years later after the first um, the first people moved in here. Somebody else actually lived in this unit before we did, but she mm-hmm. moved out. Okay. So I don't know if you remember that or not. Vaguely, I think, yeah. But uh, yeah, like I have, I have a binder here with all the information, but we will have to do a Google search to see who was in power in 1994, 1995, around that time, or maybe a couple of years before, because this would have been like a couple of years in the making. Okay. Yeah, because I don't think I've heard of any other um, housing like that since then. Yes. Actually, there is. Um, and I, the reason I know, it's because when, hang on, uh, 1998, probably 1999, I, I was, I received a phone call from, um, I, I think it was BC Housing, or the, I can't remember. Um, anyway, uh, they had opened a new um, license facility kind of like in here inside a housing complex uh, a non-profit housing complex in the city of Richmond Steveston if I'm not mistaken and I was offered that um, that unit they wanted me to move there oh okay and, I that. yeah and I turned them down because I was already settling here and I had families that I was serving and I wasn't about to uh get up and leave everybody up in the air without 
a childcare provider and having these families having to go back to the system and trying to find uh, a place for their children. So I had to turn them down. And I think there's another complex on Beresford here in Burnaby that they have actually the same idea. Uh, it's inside a housing complex, a nonprofit housing complex, and they also have a licensed facility there. Okay. Well, I think it's um, between Gilly and, oh my God, what's the other street? Uh, but it's right on Beresford. Okay. So, but as far as I know, there's about two or three uh, other places in the lower mainland that have the same idea. But this was the pilot project. This was the very first one uh, they built with that in mind. Okay. I'm going to have to see if there's any statistics or data um, in regards, because that's actually something that I was completely unaware of, despite the fact that I grew up in there. <laughs> Right. Well, you never ask. Well, you know, I just, you just don't think of these things until you become a childcare advocate and you go, wait a minute, let me relook at my life. <laughs> uh, That's funny. Um, what was I going to say? So at what point then did in that sort of uh, journey, did you choose to go to, uh, to school? Uh, when actually when we moved in here, uh, 1998, uh, so I applied, I, we were still in Vancouver. I decided that if I wanted to, uh, you know, better pro provide a better service uh, for my families, for the families that I had in my care, uh, that I was going to um, go to school and try and become a child, an early childhood educator. So, um, I applied back in the spring of 1998, not knowing that I was going to be moving to Burnaby because uh, we moved in, we moved to Burnaby in August, I think we did. And I started school in September of last of that year. And I actually went to the uh, Vancouver Community College, the downtown, um, the, the uh, campus downtown mm -hmm. uh, for my ECE. Okay. And what was it that, um, what was the experience that you were able to gain? Well, it opened up my eyes to different philosophies. Um, it made me question the things that I was uh, putting in practice and trying to become more aware and more educated uh, on different philosophies and different um, stages in, in kids development. Uh, and that, that was like, it was nice for me to go to school and be able to work during the day just because I was able to put into practice what I was learning. Mm -hmm. But it was also a form of necessity being able to work while, you know, being well, that was the cool. thing, right? Cause, um, the problem with, uh, the problem that I found back in the day when I did my uh, early childhood educator is that I did not want to be burdened with another student loan. Number one. Number two, I will have to look for childcare for not just one kid, but two kids, one of them being an infant. Um, and that was really difficult at, at the time. Um, Even to this day. 
Well, exactly, right? Because, I mean, it's hard enough to find care for one child, let alone two. Uh, one of them being an infant and the other one, a kid who was going to go to school, uh, to kindergarten very, uh, very shortly. So um, I decided that I was uh, not going to go to school on a full-time basis, but at night. Uh, that way I could work all day and go to school at night. Uh, so uh, you probably don't remember it, uh, but I used to work from uh, probably seven o'clock in the morning until six o'clock at night. Once the last kid left, I used to hop in the bus, make myself downtown, made my way downtown, uh, was in school by 6.45. That's when the class started. And it went until 9.30, sometimes 9.45. Come home, get ready, you know, bathe you guys and do whatever I needed to do with you guys, put you to bed and start again the next morning. And I did that for uh, two years. Oh, wow. Two and a half years. Yeah, I mean, it was a part-time program, right? So, and at night, and I was going to school I want to say... I think it was twice a week, wasn't it? No, I think it was three times a week and Saturdays, some Saturdays. Right. So, yeah. (laughs) So that was my life for two years. I think that a lot of um, other educators that I've spoken to, especially, and I mean, like, let's, and, you know, a lot of women... Um, who go into this field who are either single parents or in your situation in a useless marriage um, really have those stories that they bring with them. But I've always found it super interesting that it's the people or the women that go through those experiences that give their, give more of their heart um, into the sector and into this field. I think because they understand firsthand how important it is Um, and are experiencing it while they're even trying to get to the other side, you know, in order to be the helping hand, um, you know, for those families, or like you said, you know, being able to serve those families in your community. Well, yeah, you know, like in my case, and you are, and you can, uh, you can, you know, and you are very aware of this, that uh, I, in in the uh, 20, 26 years, of um, work that I have done in the early childhood uh, field, uh, I have gone through so many children, so many stories, uh, so many parents that had stories similar or or worse than mine. Um, I had children who were in the the, um, foster care system. I had social workers calling me asking me to uh, care for these children um, and to make sure that you know they were well taken care of and you also know this that I also had some sad instances where I had social workers call me and say we'll be there in 10 minutes don't uh, release the child to um to the parent and we're coming to we're gonna come we're coming to a house to apprehend them i also had social workers i mean excellent social workers 
coming into my house and interviewing children and trying to find a solution so that the child could be at home with mom and, you know, with mom, dad, or whomever the care provider was and still attend childcare and be cared for and help the parent um, get the help and support they needed. Um, you also know that I had some parents that had left owing me a lot of money and, or like some parents that have come to me and said, Hey, you know, I want, I need to put my child in care, but I don't have the money to give you the deposit. And I have waived the deposit and sometimes waited two, three months for a subsidy to kick in <laughs> to be able to get paid. And I mean, it's, I know a lot of childcare providers don't do it and I understand the reason and why, but I will urge those, uh, you know, the ones listening, if they can, to give parents a helping hand as well, not to just see them as a way of earning a living, but as people, you know, like as somebody who went, uh, was in an, uh, like a huge necessity, need to put my, my child in care to keep her safe. Uh, I know many, many, many parents have that, you know, ne that necessity, that urgency to be able to know that their kid was safe and well taken care of while they're away at work or working to help themselves, to better themselves. Uh, so, you know, I know the ministry sometimes takes a little bit of time to process uh, uh, childcare um, uh, subsidies, but they come through. So, you know, just hanging in there and give <laughs> these people a hand. I think you're speaking very much to the philanthropy um, side of childcare and understanding that. And I mean, and this is kind of where the, the difficulties kind of rise because until, and here's hoping, until we get to true universal, true affordable universal quality childcare, whether we like it or not, this is a business. It is. And I think, and you know, especially for, you know, somebody like yourself, um, you know, where this is your, where you're a, you know, female business owner, um, or even somebody like myself, who's starting out basically following the family, the family, <laughs> there you go, the family footsteps, you know, again, you know, being, you know, trying to get my business going, um, you know, at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, it, it is, it does come down to, you know, monetary value. Um, and I mean, if we are like, but like you said, if we are privileged enough and if we do have the means to be able to give somebody a break I mean at the end of the day if you're going to truly be in this field it's because you advocate for children you advocate for families you advocate for the education of children the safety of children and the need like you said of the community and sometimes that means understanding that children need a safe place to be and that's the bottom line. Uh, as a parent, you need to know 
that your child is well taken care of, your child's needs are being met, that your child is not going to be in any danger while you're away at work. I mean, it's, 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 how can I put it? It's your most prized possession, if you want to say it that way. I, although I don't like the word possession because kids are not possessions. Mm-hmm. But, um, and you don't even own your child, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> the, the life is just letting you borrow a kid for you to make into a good citizen <laughs> for this planet. But um, yeah, parents need, and it's need. It's, it's, it's not a luxury. It is a need. I mean, especially for women, you know, like we need to be able to go to work. Uh, we need to be able to go to school. Uh, we need to be able to, I mean, even, even if you just want to take a day off and knowing that your child is in good hands, you need that. Definitely. And I think I, I really like how you stress the importance of that because, and I think this is something that I spoke, uh, we briefly talked about um, when I did my interview with Sharon Gregson is that we look down, we, I mean, uh, in our field, it's not uncommon to look down on the woman who maybe has a couple of days off and chooses to bring her child into childcare because she wants to go get a haircut or she wants to go, um, you know, get her nails done, or she just wants a day to herself. And I mean, and I think she, Sharon really kind of hit the nail on the head on this one. And I think it's because spaces are so limited that we look more to the necessity of, okay, who's working, who really needs this space because they're in the rat race that we know that is, you know, supposed to be the positive Vancouver life, which is something I completely <laughs> disagree with. Um, I do not agree with the fast paced rat race life that everybody seems to be going towards. Um, but because so many people have that sort of lifestyle that when we do have a person t- uh, mainly or typically a mother you know, who is using childcare in the way that it's supposed to in terms of a safe place where her child is going to be, you know, not only taken care of, but it's going to be receiving the education that is necessary for, you know, that time in their development. We tend to look down on it because our immediate reaction is, well, that space or this time could be used to somebody who quote, really deserves it. Not understanding that, Mothers deserve a day off, <laughs> you know, parents well, deserve a day off. And I mean, and to realize that, and this is something that I always tell you, you know, like self-care is important. You cannot pour from an empty vessel. I mean, you have to be fully there yourself, emotionally, physically, uh, mentally, in order to be able to provide somebody else with the love, attention, and everything that the other person needs. How can you give that if you don't have it? Definitely. And I think that's something that a lot of educators struggle with as well. Um, and again, a colleague of mine put it well, you know, we're so used to giving so much to others. And maybe, and I think this is very much the same when it comes to um motherhood. And I mean, I think you can vouch for this as well. We give, 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 give so much to 
everyone else that we fail to remember that we also need to give to ourselves. Exactly. And uh, that's why, you know, like I, you know, I always say, you know, like if you, you know, if you want to buy something for yourself, buy it, you know, like if you want to go out and have a coffee and just go for a walk, do it because that's what you need at that time. And that little action of rewarding yourself for being you and for, you know, doing so much for others. It, it's just a little token of appreciation you need to give to yourself. Definitely. So before we sort of end this interview, um, I want to ask you, what would you say to any new educators coming into this field? What would you say what is the number one thing that you would like to take away as an advocate yourself, as, you know, a, having gone through so many stages in your life, understanding the need of childcare, not only from a safety point, but as, you know, like you said, a woman business owner who's giving all these parents break because you understand that at the end of the day, we are here to be with children, to create safe spaces for children. Well, first and foremost, make sure that you are, if you're going to work in a center, make sure the rest of the educators share your same philosophy and that you are going to be able to work as a team member because you are going to need everybody around you. It is not just going to be yourself. You're going to have to work with other people with different philosophies, with different ways of looking at things. But don't forget that they're your team members and you're going to have to uh, work as a team. And also, it's not all fun and games. (laughs) Um, You have to make sure that you take care of yourself, that you're absolutely sure that your early childhood education is the field for you. It is a rewarding uh, field. I mean, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love being around my kids. I love being around my little ones. There's so many kids that I remember from the first time that I started doing childcare up to now. And uh, kids take a piece of your heart, you know, and they will help you become a better person, a better educator. Uh, always, always, always make sure that you train yourself, go through training, go through workshops, uh, keep an open mind to new philosophies, new ways of doing things, and enjoy it. You know, just enjoy it. And just uh, if you ever feel down, just remember why you went into the field in the first place. And since you're somebody who works by yourself day in and day out, and like you said, you've had some situations where, you know, like you said, a child has taken a piece of your heart um, or more tragically, when we hear stories of children that we've had later in life and we hear the tragedies that have been in their life, how do you practice self-care so that you you know, for lack of better words, you don't drive, you know, you yourself don't go insane. Always. I mean, always, it's, it's, always. A, it's a big, you know, it's a big responsibility. And especially because you don't have somebody else to fall back on. 
No, uh, you know, like when you work in a center and uh, I, I haven't, the only times that I've been in centers was when I was doing my practicums. And I got to say, I love being a part of the team. You know, I love the educators that I work with. Uh, I learned things from them. Uh, but the, and I also love like working by myself. Uh, however, you need a support system. Uh, you need, uh, you know, like join, talk to the, um, to the people at the um, child care resource and referral services. They're there to help. Uh, talk to your supervisors, talk to other educators, you know, like get yourself a support system. I am quite lucky because I have you. Yes. <laughs> you are very I, lucky to have me in your life. <laughs> yes, I am. And, you know, like we talk, we compare notes. Um, and I also have other educators that I talk to sometimes. I have an excellent, excellent support system. And if you're working by yourself, um, the way I am in a licensed, uh, you know, family childcare. Don't take families just for the take of taking families and making a living. Uh, talk to the prospective parents. Make sure that you're going to be able to work with the families. Remember, it's not just you and the child. It's you, the family, and the child. It's mm -hmm. a team. Make sure that you are going to be able to work within that team. Communication is the key. Perfect. I like it. Well, thank you very much for being part of this interview and sharing your experience. I did, um, I was able to kind of quickly Google who was the premier um, from November 1991 to August 1999. Um, so from 91 to 96, it was uh, the end, New Democratic Party, and it was Mike Harco Harcourt. Oh, Mike Harcourt? Yeah. One of my favorite premiers. There Sorry. You go. <laughs> I like the NDP. <laughs> um, and then from February 22nd, 96 to 99, it was Glenn Clark, again, of the Another New NDP. Party. Another yeah. one of my favorites. So... I always find it interesting and I, you know, you're the person who always told me this, pay attention to politics and understand which leaders and which party it is, is that's going to be best for your philosophies and your sectors and keep them accountable. And I think this is super important now since we are going into a federal election and there's been lots of promises being made, um, which I will get into in other episodes, in future episodes. Okay. Can I just say something here? Yes. And I have always said to you that in the last, the NDP government has always been the government that has worked for the people and that has done the most for child care in BC. Uh, and I can say that because this last government was actually the one that has given more money into the early childhood educated early childhood educating system than the previous government. And I, I know that you're gonna say that I'm partial in my politics and but I go with the government that helps the working the average working person. And for me, if they're paying attention 
to ECEs and to the field of ECE, the better. Uh, because without early childhood educators, there's no economic growth. We don't work, we're not here. Parents cannot go to work. The, the, uh, the economy stops. Mm -hmm. So, yep. There you have it, your campaign. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on this interview and sharing your story. I'm hoping that this is the first of many, um, again, in a series of educators being able to share why it is that they went into the field of early childhood education and why they, um, how their stories have shaped, you know, their lives and their decisions and why they choose to continue being the advocates that they are for children, for families, um, and for the education of children. So thank you again. You're very welcome. Bye, kids. Thanks for listening in on this week's episode of EC Honestly. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at echonestly at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at echonestly.